Good morning, church. Uh, for those who do not know me, my name is Yosef. I'm one of the pastors at ERBF. Uh, it's time for kids. Uh, you can go to your kids zone. And the junior church, uh, to st uh, we, are, we are hoping that you stay here. Uh, we have a special guest. Uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker, uh, Jackie. You can come here, Jackie, please. So a couple of years ago, as I was a student uh, at Act Seminaries doing my MDiv program, <laughs> I was going through lots of things in my life, and I was part of the church, and racism, you know, and uh, looking down on other people in the church, and thinking that I'm better than others, you know. I saw a lot of things, and... Um, I was almost going to resign, uh, you know, the, the place that I used to serve. And uh, as a matter of fact, I had to um, take some counseling course. And I, it was my last counseling course. It was the fourth one. And I had a chance to take a course with a man who really I love him, Dr. Oxier. And he invited Jackie one day to our counseling class in order to help us to understand better God's love and forgiveness, uh, and also how to approach others uh, in our life, in this journey of life. And, you know, after nine years of study, you forget the things that you studied. And one of the things that I never forget was actually um, that one and one and a half hours class that I had, and it was with Jackie. And when I entered to our church, I was signed to work with our leaders, basically with our youth and young adult leaders. And I just felt, I just remembered Jackie. And I wanted her to come and speak with our youth, but it was more than that in my heart. And I talked with our staff, and we just came to this point. We need God uh, to help me to find Jackie because I didn't know where she is. And by God's grace, uh, my professor uh, actually contacted with me, and now Jackie is here. So I'm just going to pray for you, and we're just going to hear from you. Father, thank you for today, Lord. <clears throat> we all have journey in our life, and you are the author of our journeys. Um, um, we pray, Father, for Jackie as she's going to share the journey of her life. It's not just a story. It's the journey, the journey of forgiveness, your love and grace, Lord. Uh, we pray that may you bless us as today is a Pentecost day, Lord. We ask your Holy Spirit to speak through Jackie and to speak into our heart and, and soften our heart to hear your word. And, and at the end of the road, still, Father, we ask you to help us to put into practice the things that we learn from your word, from, from your spirit, from your daughter. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Good morning. I don't know if my mic's on or not, is it? Yeah, oh, it's coming. So um, that's a kind of a high bar that he set for you guys. I'm, uh, so your his expectations are here. I'm hoping your reality isn't down here after I'm done here, but... 
Um, anyways, thank you for inviting me and having me. And um, so I will share my story, but I think what's most important here is the fact that we all have a story. We all have something to offer each other, and we all just need to take the time to listen to one another. And um, that's one of my favorite things about life is relationships. And I'm definitely a relational person, and I love hearing people's stories. And um, I'm honored that you would take time to listen to my story. Um, I've decided I would share a little bit about what I've learned in my 52 years here on the earth. Um, I've learned that pretty much everybody is going to face some degree of pain, disappointment, unmet expectations, and there are certain things the Lord just allows us to journey through. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind, tells James 1-2. If life seems kind of status quo and predictable right now, likelihood it won't last forever. I'd talked with a coworker after Christmas and she was ex we were exchanging Christmas chit-chat. She had told me that in her 40-ish years of having Christmases, they have never, she had never had a sad, bad, or disappointing Christmas. I was like, wow, lucky you. I don't remember not having one. Uh, so I'm a nurse, registered nurse. I work in maternity. And so, in fact, I try to work every Christmas to avoid the disappointments that come with family and unmet expectations. Um, sometimes I find it easier just to hide in, uh, in my work rather than to feel those feelings of disappointments. I've learned that marriage is hard work, even when you have a great spouse. Um, I have a wonderful spouse who's been very committed to me and our family and our marriage for the past 30 some odd years. Even with all of this, we are super talented at squabbling from time to time. There are times when I don't like him and I'm pretty sure he doesn't like me either. But I love him and I feel loved by him and we have to work through things at times. I've also learned that good friends are a gift from God. They have been my non-biological family. Friendships, specifically meaningful friendships, have been the cream cheese icing to my carrot cake. And it's had a little orange zest kicked in there too. I have learned that making a difference in people's lives is what we're called to do. It has great reward and great satisfaction. 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And I feel like as a nurse in my profession, in my personal life, in my friendship life, in my faith life, in my church life, relationships have been a perfect opportunity for me to share about my faith journey and about the Lord who saved me and the Holy Spirit who has changed my life. I have felt very valued for being there for special people at special times. I hope that I have been um, intentional enough 
in my life, leaving a fingerprint of passion for my family, my friends, my relationships, and my interactions. I was 15 when my mom died, and I feel as though her untimely death resonated with me to make a difference in my own life, making sure that I leave things not left undone. I've learned that it's best not to know our future. If we did, I'm pretty sure most of us wouldn't want to stick around and find out the pain we were going to endure. We'd bury our heads, may become consumed and obsessed about what the upcoming situations are for us, rather than living in the present. I've learned that the thought of going through something is frequently imagined to be much harder than it actually is. Sometimes we just have to enter in. I've frequently been heard the saying, I've been frequently been said saying the saying, this is the journey that the Lord has for me. This is the journey the Lord has for us. This is the journey the Lord has for you. And it kind of reminds me of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, it's one of my funeral songs. <laughs> um, yeah, so Philippians 4, uh, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Just submit to the journey we're given. Many of us and the pains and difficulties in life are bro brought on by broken people, broken relationships, broken world. And I've experienced a few of these things in life, and it would be accurate to say that most of you would agree that some of these challenges have been hard. My family of origin consisted of myself, my two biological parents, and a bi full biological brother who was six years older. My parents and I had gone to bed one night on a Saturday night after my parents had friends over celebrating my mom's 42nd birthday. My brother had been out with friends. I awoke to the sound of my dad yelling for our family to get out because there was fire. Get out! The Lord breathed life into my lifeless body and I ran towards the voice. On the other side of the burning rooms, I found my dad and I made it out alive. This was the wee hours of January 25th, 1987, just down the street in Chilliwack. I referred to my mom's passing when I was 15. This was a traumatic death. Her death was quick, resulting from multiple blows to the head by a tire iron, leaving her with multiple fractures to the skull. While she was beaten to death, my father was being bludgeoned with a baseball bat. He was also left for dead. And they, the perpetrators, came to my screaming bedside to shut me up with enough blows to the head that the baseball bat broke in half, also leaving me for dead. Our beds and floors were soaked in gasoline, followed by an engulfing inferno. I have very fragmented memories of that night so long ago, yet sometimes it feels like just yesterday. 
I had life breathed into my almost dead body, and I was able to live. It was in that hospital that I awaited the news about my mom and brother. My dad and I had been taken to the hospital after we got out of the house. The long, agonizing hours were there waiting to hear, and eventually I was told my mom had died. My dad and I were taken for surgery to repair the multiple wounds that were still leave us with the scars we bear. Late in that day on Super Bowl Sunday, the police came to my bedside and told me that they had found the people who were responsible for harming my family. One was a man I had never met. One was a man I had met only once briefly. And the other was my biological sibling. They were all charged with first-degree murder. The months that followed were very busy with doctor's appointments, lawyer visits, school, friends, and learning how to live this new life. Fourteen months later, my brother and his two friends were convicted of first-degree murder and given a life sentence without eligibility or parole for 25 years. There were contributing factors to this crime, namely drugs, alcohol, and the hope of inheriting the family estate if we were all to perish. Shortly before the trial, my dad got remarried with my blessing. It was someone I had worked for. Though it seemed like a blessing at the time, it came with much pain and disappointment. She was not nice, and she made my life and my dad's life very, very sad. However, here we are, 30-some-odd years later with her in my life, and we have been working to try to figure out how to live life peacefully, how to get along, and make the most of some of the things that have been disappointing. My dad and I had a very intensely meaningful relationship. And he's now in a nursing home, and yeah, Alzheimer's is not a fun thing for some people. To make a long story shorter, all three men have been released early from prison. I've learned that I have a creator, and I've been called to serve him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old one is gone, and the new one has come. About a year after my mom's tragic death, I was introduced by good friends to a youth group. I had never been to a youth group before. I didn't even know what I was supposed to wear. Um, I'd had a minimal experience to church exposure, and so these friends who were already so meaningful in my life before my mom died became a cornerstone of my friendships, my faith, and my, my recovery journey. The answers of life became encapsulated into the Bible. The passion for my faith grew quickly and transformed me, and it was an undeniable change. I was going through the metaphor, metamorphosis from an old creation to free in flight as a butterfly. 
I'd been given a second chance to live, and I wanted to do it serving the Lord who saved me. I've learned that shock is a beautiful thing. Don't push people out of that stage prematurely. The Lord will deal with us shocked souls in his time. And sometimes we need a lot more time. I've learned that forgiveness is possible. Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, early in my faith journey, I'd never really ever thought about or heard about forgiveness other than the Lord forgiving us and saving our soul, but I was really, really surprised when the Bible talked about forgiving your brother and literally said brother. And uh, I was like, dude, that's not for me. Um, And so forgive your brother and the way that the Lord has forgiven you. And I struggled and I struggled with that verse. The Lord prompted me though on the challenging topic of forgiveness. I was pretty sure that I wasn't included in those verses. And it didn't take too long for me to extend the measure of forgiveness to my brother. He was the one I could forgive the easiest, oddly enough, partly because I know that I was also very, very unpleasant to him. The challenging relationship that we had had so much animosity and so much hatred towards me, I also retaliated in some very, very hateful ways as well. I started with a handwritten letter talking about my newfound love of Jesus and the desire I had to live life like Jesus in a forgiving way. And that started the long road of reconciliation. One of the most treasured opportunities I've had in my life is to face my offenders face to face. I've been able to meet with all three of them individually while they were still incarcerated. A program that was through Langley, um, was, it's called Restorative Justice, and they were able to facilitate victim offender uh, mediation programs for myself and the offenders in a very safe process that provided each of us to meet with each other and discuss the events that impacted our lives in such dramatic ways. The meetings with the two other offenders were probably the two hardest days of my life, yet also the most rewarding and passionate days of my life. The man who physically killed my mom, I had actually never, ever met, and I didn't ever even see his face, really, other than in the newspaper. And at the trial, they would parade them in, and they would sit with their backs towards me. So when I saw him face to face that day, 13 years after the crime, it was the first time I had heard the voice of the man who had such a dramatic impact on my life. The second man hadn't physically hurt either my dad or I. It was my brother who had hurt both of us. And that meeting was so powerful. He was, he said he expected me to come in with 
eyes of fire and rage. And when I came with grace and mercy, it was so much harder to accept. The, um, the highlight of these meetings for me, first of all, was the sorrow and the pain that they had expressed causing, that they expressed that they caused to our families. But also to see these incarcerated criminals, criminal murderers, I eventually got to see them as created human beings that are worthy of the love of God just as much as I am. I was able to share my faith and forgiveness with them, and it was one of those powerful days that I'll never forget. I've learned also that family is a unique blend of people who come together. In many homes, it is very messy, and it's a messy gathering of raw people and raw personalities. The family photo of my life has changed over the years, and the faces have come and gone. I've always had a meaningful relationship with my dad, and it's been hard to maintain those as the obstacles of his wife have been a part of our lives. I was so happy to marry into a family, as I longed so much for a family. I married my spouse, the love of my life. Um, he had two parents serving the Lord in Haiti. They were missionaries. And he came with two sisters. I was so excited. Well, the parents have now divorced. Dad is married to a lady in Haiti. Mom is remarried. The sister Rachel, her and I have had a great relationship. And then the sister Susie, well, she and I and the rest of the world have had problems with the relationship. But she trusted Tony and I enough to be the guardians of her kids in the event of her passing. And we said yes. I've learned that we try to be good parents and we fail frequently. Deuteronomy 6, 7, impress the commandments upon, the, upon your children. Tell them when you are at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. My saying about my kids is hopefully my love will cover a multitude of my sins. We had three biological kids that are now young adults, and family has had many faces. The Lord has added some and subtracted some, and his ways are not for me to analyze. It's always good when you don't really know what you're saying yes to. Susie did pass away, and we did become the guardians of two of her children. They came to us as teens, young teens. Melissa was 14 and Brandon was 12, and they became a permanent part of our family photo. I loved having a bigger family, and I always dreamed of having more kids and a big, fun family, and I passionately loved each of them in so many ways, especially for the new ones living under our roof. I gave them an extra measure of love because I knew the sorrow and the pain and the emptiness that they faced. So parenting in the first place is amazing and challenging in the same breath. Now, parenting two teens without a mom was a whole nother ball game. 
I finally had empathy for my stepmom. I've learned that parenting is demanding, and parenting non-biological kids is an extra level of difficulty. Um, it's been a privilege and a journey of hardship parenting. Melissa was 14 and Brandon 12 when they came to us, as I mentioned. A few years into it, Melissa graduated June 2011, and that was quite a journey getting her there. A number of runaways, a few groundings, many heartbreaks, and lots of testing through those years. Brandon had a similar, however, his challenges and his vice became alcohol and marijuana. The vice was so strong that he left our home in grade 10 and lived with another family, another family that was a lot more permissive. Sometime during that summer after Melissa graduated in 2011, he asked to come back to live with us. He realized that the intoxicants he was using created so much anxiety, paranoia, and overall a life robber to him. He wanted to end the drugs and the drug scene. As he requested to come back, we prayerfully agreed that we would help him get his life back. We got him involved with his doctor, child and youth mental health, counseling, and a change in school back to the Christian school he had left. He moved back in middle of August. We were happy and nervous. Bringing someone in during their recovery can be interesting. A few days later was a tough day, one filled with much seeking of God. We had some disappointing news. Brandon had been struggling again with addiction. He had left that night with friends, and we didn't know where he was. Melissa and us were texting him without reply, and we assumed he was overnight with some friends, and he still wasn't back in the morning. That morning, I was out with the other kids, and my husband called, asking me to come home right away. I came home to the police, asking us about Brandon. A body had been found in Abbotsford, and they were looking for more information about identifying Brandon. I came to learn that Brandon had tragically fallen to his death from a third-story mall parkade. There was no solid evidence it was suicide, but it seems unrealistic that there was any other reason. The family photo changed again. I've learned to expect the unexpected. We know that in all things, can work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Many people ask how I've gotten through some of these devastating events. I don't have a really great answer to the general population, but I do know that the Lord is in charge of our journeys. I see no other option than to surrender to the sovereignty of God. I've had tough days, months, and I long to be able to function some days I function well, and some days I have a really long nap. I frequently sing my song, song to myself, the joy of the Lord is my, 
joy of the Lord is my strength. The journey of forgiveness has had many versions for me. I shared about forgiving my brother and the two other people, two other men. I alluded to having to learn to forgive my stepmom, forgiving my spouse, forgiving myself. Had I caused Brandon's death? I also realized that I too needed to be forgiven. I have wronged people. I've wronged a lot of people. I've wronged my parents, my friends, my spouse, my children. Forgiveness within marriage and family, it truly is a work in relationships. How have I been able to forgive? I don't know. Sometimes there's not a really easy answer. I know that the Lord has changed my heart, and the things that I see other people through is this hopefully closer to the, what, how Jesus sees us. I also think that I've been given an extra measure of grace and mercy. I feel like forgiveness has come a lot easier for me than it has for other people. I also learned that you never know how strong you need to be until strength is the only option you have. If you are on the forgiveness journey, way to go for even entering in the path. I'm not convinced we always arrive, and that once arrived, always arrived. What I've learned is it's a journey that often needs to be addressed at various points in our journey. The final destination isn't always arriving. Sometimes we have to revisit our choice of forgiveness, and our willingness to do it. Sometimes the pain comes even though we've forgiven. And what do we do with that pain? Sometimes we don't know, right? Does it mean we haven't forgiven if we feel that pain again? Or does it mean we just have to readdress it? I appreciate you guys having me, and I've found that forgiveness as a final destination is an ongoing process and a daily commitment to our faith. Thank you. I, I just want to, on behalf of, I think, all of us, thank you so much. Um, it's one thing to prepare a, a message for a week. It's another when her whole life has been a preparation that God has been giving, and, uh, and you've come and shared with us. And I know sometimes uh, a lot goes out in, in that sharing, and we just, uh, I want to pray for you that also God's renewal and, uh, and healing will continue to also be at work as that uh, He will continue to use you. Can I pray you. for you? Yeah. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today for, for Jackie for her various families and the current one. And Lord, I thank you uh, for the message that she has shared with us from her heart, from what you have been doing and continue to do in her life. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill her anew by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the obedience that she has 
expressed in coming and sharing with us. And Lord, I pray for even new measures of healing, new measures of strength, and Lord, new measures of opportunity as well to continue to share, whether it is in the workplace with people and having a heart, uh, Lord, for the people that come, or Lord, uh, whether it is in conversations, whatever it may be, Lord, that you would just continue to use all of these experiences in her life, Lord, to further your kingdom and your work in the lives of others. Amen. Thank you. Yes, come and lead us in worship.